How now, brown cow? How now, brown cow? How now, brown cow? You're crazy, man. Are you ready? Yes. This is the podcast without a name. without a name episode tbd rich i didn't lose you did i you're never gonna lose me buddy all right good thank you rich thank you for showing up this evening for this podcast i think anthony's still uh buying nightgowns at victoria's secret (laughs) it takes a long time to do that He's probably at the beach. That's what Anthony does on the weekends in the summer. He goes to the beach. Must be nice. Anyway. Go to the beach. This is the podcast without a name. Sans Anthony once again. Living it up. Probably drinking margaritas. Or if I know Anthony, he's probably drinking some really expensive IPA because suddenly he's a beer connoisseur. I thought he was drinking spiked seltzers. He could probably do that, too. I wouldn't put it past him. Zima's back out. Maybe <laughs> he's hitting that up. Put a Jolly Rancher in that shit. Mm. Yeah. You bring the Zima, I'll bring the lube. I used to put, uh, there were those, like, kind of, like, long, sour, gummy things. We used to put them in them to, in there, too. They were the shiznit back in the day. I never anyway. really drank those. I had, like, Mike's Heart no. was the extent of my uh, uh, malt beverage drinking you know we used to drink all the time special brews oh yeah the red and blue and yeah all those different thinking things. about them now makes me want to like kind of vomit but that we love them i used to drink mad dog so you get one of those mad dog, in the movie mad dog 2020s oh yeah make some bad Ooh, decisions I, I had a creamsicle one of them once it was disgusting i couldn't i couldn't get i couldn't do it it got to anyway. do strawberry banana or orange jubilee bro they probably would be pretty good they do sound kind of good I, I mean, I remember my first full beer, right? I'm not talking about like sips of beer I had from my dad. I'm not talking about like maybe sharing a beer with someone. But I'm a, I remember my first full beer is with Anthony. We had, you know, stole a couple beers from his dad's fridge, which I'm pretty sure he knows about by now. So I could put that out publicly. Um, and we got on our bikes and we rode to like the woods near us. And we kind of put our bikes down and like... You know, some shrubbery and we're like, oh, let's drink these Budweiser. They're Budweiser cans. And we're sitting there drinking and like, we're probably like, I'm thinking like 13 years old, maybe. And uh, <laughs> at some point we're like both like, kind of like, like, like kind of doing that thing where your lips were like, kind of looking at each other. Like, who's the first one going to say, like, I don't want to finish it. And then <laughs> finally one of us was like, I, I don't think I want to finish it. And then the other one was immediately like, yeah. Let's just, just get rid of them. And we barely we had like four sips of each and we're like, we can't do this. And Beer then it was is pretty uh, all, gross when you first have it. Yeah. And then it was just from there on, we just consumed a massive amount of beer. It's like your first coffee, except you can't dilute it out with cream and sugar, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I always like, I, I occasionally sit there and I daydream and I wonder, I wonder if I could like kind of sum up how much money I've spent on alcohol in my life. And what that figure would be. I don't like even I want just, to know. I hypothesize and like I'm all over the place, but it's got to be a, actually an amount that if I saw it, I'd be like, holy shit. Like I could buy a house <laughs> almost. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. A sizable I'm, uh, down payment on a house at least. I'd probably be like Anthony, like, oh, should I buy the brand new Ford F-250 or should I buy the Mercedes? Uh, I don't I know. know which one. We'd have hold of for lifestyles right now if it wasn't for uh, alcohol. God you know, this, this could actually get into a like a little bit of a, a social psychology thing here about, uh you know, how, you know, poor people consume these type of things and drink sugary drinks and things like that. But we, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> anyway, there's a uh, there's a few things that have happened this past week. Um, this is probably the first time in a long time where we've had two casts within a week of each other. So um, 
it was a little hard to kind of pick out what, what we should talk about for, you know, a quick 45 minute cast. Um, the obvious thing is the shooting at the GOP baseball game. We could talk about that uh, and our take on uh, how that might have been influenced or the motivation for something like that. Uh, what else did we kind of throw around real quick? There was, um, I got to pull up my uh, notes here, but oh, the dreamers policy that Trump uh, is holding on to. Uh, another interesting thing was Amazon bought Whole Foods for $13.4 billion. Uh, a couple other things here going on, I think. Uh, we'll just go with that for now. Let's start with the the crazy dude shop, the GOP thing. What do you think about that, Richard? Yeah. Um, I think it's a symptom, certainly, of the times. I uh, I think that that gentleman uh, was certainly a disturbed person. I don't think that he was a rational actor in that. Uh, although mm. yeah. we really haven't heard anything about him having any sort of mental counseling or mental problems beforehand. But um, uh, And there was actually this really strange – it was like a documentary, and I wish I could remember the exact name of it. But it was like something mm. to the effect of like my dad was brainwashed by Fox News. And uh, it really? was about this guy who like had a dad who's like an immigrant and like he was always really nice and kind and – and then uh, just as he got older and he stayed in more, he started watching a lot of Fox News and he started getting like these ideas in his head like, you know, yeah, man, like uh, poor people are leeching off of us and immigrants are this or that. And like he started like getting really angry about stuff. So I guess, uh, you know, maybe if you let like that kind of stuff become, you know, what your life is focused on and you don't yeah. really take a step back and look at other things, you can really kind of dive deep into uh rabbit hole, especially now with the uh, sensationalism that's being portrayed as news. Uh, people will watch yeah. opinion pieces pretty much. And they're taking that as fact because it's attached to a name like MSNBC, CNN, Fox. And so they're basing their opinions on things that may be not wholly 100% factually accurate. There's a lot of conjecture and opinion and stuff like that thrown in there. So depending on what side you choose, uh, I could see that it would be really easy if somebody was unstable already to kind of glom on to something like that and blame a certain group of people for their ills or the uh, the world's ills and, you know... Uh, if you really don't have anything else to live for, kind of yeah. put yourself in a situation where it's like, well, at least I'm going to take these perceived evil. I, people I agree with me. that uh, what you're basically saying is is these type of this type of hyperbole from all sides, whether it's left or right. You know, it's enough to possibly put someone over the edge, or at least give them some sort of uh, you know path for which they you know didn't know about before but maybe it gave them a reason to go do something in a particular path uh if you follow our facebook page uh you know if you're listening you probably know my opinion on this i don't think that you know, so, you know the hyperbole and the stuff going on in the world necessarily creates people who are capable of doing this i think when you take someone's life that is a very very like particular um kind of personality disorder or something you're something's wrong with you if you're if you're capable of taking someone's life in almost any context uh maybe outside of passion but even then there's probably a little bit of argument to say that you can't handle your your uh your you know your uh whatever it's called but the point is uh i don't think what we see in the media really creates these people uh you know they are already already predisposed to being someone who could take someone's life what it does do though is i think it does give them some sort of target or a particular road to go down um and maybe uh, accelerate something like that uh but yeah I, you know I i'm not gonna sit here uh, and blame bernie sanders right i mean he was a big bernie sanders supporter but there's no way i'm not gonna blame him i don't think bernie sanders has said anything to incite violence no no unless you've heard um, something no i don't i don't think so uh, i mean Come on, they're they're uh, always clamoring for gun control, <laughs> right? Which is the ironic yeah, yeah, yeah. part of this that this was perpetrated with guns. But uh, um, I can certainly see, and and we've mentioned it before. I know I've mentioned it before a lot. This whole sports team sort of mentality, to where everything that your guys do is right and everything the other guys do is wrong, and 
it's just very, uh, I could see if somebody's already a little unhinged, how it'd be easy to kind of go to that extreme and, uh, yeah. you know, just become so obsessed with that, that we see these kind of crazy things happen. Yeah. And, uh, I think we've probably seen the headlines about him being a volunteer for the Bernie Sanders campaign. I think Bernie Sanders had a really great, uh, response to this. I'm going to play it for you. I, it, it, this kind of speaks to like, this is, this is Bernie Sanders, right? Like we, we've talked about him on many occasions and I think we've all kind of had a very somewhat positive, uh, at least opinion about Bernie as being a legitimate kind of, uh, you know, genuine person. Uh, as much as we might disagree with his numbers on things and his politics, he he really is, I think, honest. And, I, and listen to what he says, and I think you'll hear it's pretty heartfelt. And I have just been informed that the alleged shooter at the Republican baseball practice this morning is someone who apparently volunteered on my presidential campaign. I am sickened by this despicable act and let me be as clear as I can be. Violence of any kind is unacceptable in our society, and I condemn this action in the strongest possible terms. Real change can only come about through nonviolent action, and anything else runs counter to our most deeply held American values. I know I speak for the entire country in saying that my hopes and prayers are that Representative Scalise, congressional staff, and the Capitol Police officers who were wounded make a quick and full recovery. I also want to thank the Capitol Police for their heroic actions to prevent further harm. Thank you, Madam President. And that was uh, Bernie Sanders on June 14th. Uh, I believe that was the day of the shooting. And yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I believe him. Like I, I do too. I, yeah. I mean, Say I don't you necessarily want. think he's going to come out and go, this violence is justified, but I mean, it, you could tell when someone's just kind of speaking to speak because they kind of have to. And I, I believe him just like most of the times I hear Bernie speak, I kind of, he's telling us the truth of what he thinks. Right. Um, and in this case, he's right, obviously, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, the guy's crazy. Um, like I think, like most people who kill people, that he's crazy. But um, I don't think this is a really a product of any particular, uh, you know, news station or politician. You see this on all sides of the spectrum: people who on, on the far right who kill people, and then you see videos with them with Confederate flags. Um, you know, this happens. I don't. Th Attributing it to some sort of politician is, I think it's wrong. Uh, you know, I no, mean, I don't, yeah, I don't think you can attribute. I mean, I, like you said, Bernie Sanders, for as much as I disagree, may disagree with him, I had said while the election was going on, you know, I said, well, if there was somebody that I had to trust with, like watching my kids, I'd probably pick Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that he probably was the most genuine person that was running. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, don't don't agree with what he was really uh, saying or what his stance is on a lot of things. But uh, I don't think he's a bad guy. I mean, he might be a little Not bit of a hypocrite yeah. with how he's talking all kind of shit on the one percent, and he pretty much is one now. And one percent, you know, yeah. And you know, three what, houses yeah. and, and supercars and shit. You know, like come on, buddy. Yeah. And you you actually can call him out as a hypocrite. I don't want to do this because I think what he just said was good. I think he means it, but he did he did kind of blame the was it Gabrielle or Gabrielle Gifford? Is that her name? Gab yeah, Gabby Gifford. Gabrielle, I guess, is probably Gabby her. Gifford, yes. Yeah. Um when she was uh the attempted assassination on her, he did kind of blame that on conservative rhetoric and he he didn't take kind of the high road like you're saying. Like I I haven't seen many like worthwhile conservatives or Republicans kind of blame really come out and blame this on liberal rhetoric. But I mean, I'm sure maybe there are, I'm sure there are people doing that. Don't get me wrong. They're probably more of the fringe or people who don't have many years, but um, I don't really see anyone trying to capitalize on that right now, but I mean, no, I'm not going to, well, I'm not going to throw that back at him. I'm really not because I think he's doing the right thing now and I'll take it. 
Yeah, and I mean, well, I'll look at the the train stabbing guy. He was a Bernie Sanders supporter too. It just yeah, yeah, awful coincidence, I guess, because he yeah, never I mean, said anything like that. <laughs> you know, he you never could apply, said like, go you out. Could, you and could apply that kill. rule of like with every any particular group, whether it's a profession, a political organization. There's going to be a, a certain rate or percent of people who are something, right? Murderers, killers, child molesters, right? You're going to have it statistically across the board. Now, in some areas, you're going to see higher concentrations, like the Catholic Church had some issues there, right? And and But it, generally speaking, across the board, you're going to see a certain rate of really bad people in any group, whether it's police, whether it's doctors, whether it's teachers, whether it's someone volunteering for Bernie Sanders, there's going to be a certain amount of them that are going to be not so crazy people that are doing stupid shit. You know, it's just fact of life. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just the numbers, statistics, and the population yeah. of anybody, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's, you know, I'm not sitting here trying to say we need to just ignore it, though. But what I'm saying is just realize that this is going to happen. Uh, you know, you, you mark it up somewhere, you know, you keep track of it. So in case it does become some sort of issue, it's there, you have your numbers, but. Well, yeah, I mean, it is like I is. said, the, the one thing that we can blame, I, I would think things like this on is just how uh, vehement the opposition to between the two major political parties has been recently. I mean, it's like nothing that I can really remember See, I mean, not in my lifetime anyway, just yeah. how much venom there is uh, between the left and the right. Yeah. It's almost and, like and you the, have to pick a side, you know? There's nothing wrong to say, listen, maybe this is a good indication that we all need to chill out, right? I mean, sure, you know, I, I really hesitate to get on to, to try to attribute this in any way, shape, or form that because I, I you know, I've become more kind of dug in about the free speech thing and and one of the big things about free speech and i know this isn't the, the government going after anyone so technically it's all irrelevant but there's the the chilling of speech and things like that i want people i want people to be able to speak their mind i want people to give their ideas without any sort of hesitation of backlash or or is someone going to attribute something that's really not a attributable to me because I said something. I really don't want that to happen. I don't like that atmosphere, but we all acknowledge that there is a lot of, you know, you know, shit throwing going on. Right. I mean, I think in any situation it's better to, you know, to say, listen, let's, let's, let's uh, start listening to each other and let's not just suddenly, uh, suddenly start labeling everyone. Right. Like, so, you know, in that regard, maybe this will give be a little bit of a wake up call to say it's it's time to turn it down a little bit and let's let's have dialogues instead of like just accusing accusing people of being Nazis and accusing people of being baby killers. Yeah, a little bit of centrism really wouldn't hurt mm -hmm. <laughs> right about now. And it's weird yeah, because yeah. Uh, you hear about like terms like the silent majority and uh, mm -hmm. I think that's really a group that is in the silent majority right now is people that are in the middle. Because uh, they're probably the least likely people to post on Facebook or the least likely people to call into like a radio show or the least likely people uh, to to really not necessarily have an opinion, but to uh, say what their opinion is. Because mm -hmm. it's like, well, it's not exciting. It's like, well, yeah, I agree with some of the things you say and some of the things that you say, but, you know, I'm going to make my own choice. And I think there really has to be. Uh, sort of a resurgence of that, you know, yeah, uh, because I agree. it really seems that there's really strong polarization right now. And, uh, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you really, how do you combat that? You, I guess you yeah. can't, it's just the way things are going. That's true. I mean, and you're absolutely right about the, the centrist and the silent majority, you know, people who care so much about politics, the people who are so dug in into political beliefs are the ones that are more likely to come out and talk about it. Right. I, I like to think that we are a little different in that. Uh, to me, the reason why I do this podcast, and I think this is very similar to why you and Anthony are involved is because I go on my Facebook, I go on social media 
and I see the echo chambers. I see the people just believing things because it's on their social media. And it's almost like the more I see someone post people posting the same opinion, the more I want to talk about it. And it, it rubs people the wrong way sometimes, but I, you know, I, I think I've said this before, but my message to my social media friends and family is when you see me comment, maybe it's snarky, maybe it's not on one of your kind of more political posts. It's, it's not necessarily because I'm really thinking you're an idiot or something. It's because I just want to keep challenging it. And in a lot of cases, I comment on things that I might actually agree with, but I'd like to try to like be the devil's advocate in, in this situation because everyone is like, I'll just see a stream of posts or people just commenting, like all agreeing on one thing. And it's like, well, you know, let's be real here. There is another side of this. It's worth consideration. And in some cases, I'll argue a point that I'm not even in favor of just because I want to get that consideration out there. And a lot of times people attribute that to be being my opinion. But that's just I feel like that's just part of being a critical thinker in that I, I want to kind of have that mental exercise of what is the alternative here? What are the other theories that could be happening or going? what's going on here that, that we could maybe break it down to get to the truth? And, you know, sometimes it rubs, rubs people the wrong way. I, I think I see it with you, too. I know I know you like to kind of go in there and, and shake things up. And I think it's because you see it, too. Like you see a lot of people that echo chamber, whether it's on the left or the right. A lot of it's on the left right now because it's social media. But I think you see it, too. Am I well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um I think for sure. I mean, when, when people just start posting things that are just completely nonsensical and, you know, it, it just it gets so frustrating and it's like, well, where are you getting this from? Like, what what's the source? Yes. And is there really facts other than this one article that you're posting to back anything that you're saying up? Like today I saw something... Um, on a, a, a news site, I, I want to say it was ABC, but it was like, in New Jersey, blacks are three times more likely to get arrested <laughs> with marijuana than whites. And it's like, all right, well, that's a, a sexy statement. I mean, it makes it seem like there's a lot of horrible shit going on, but where are these people getting arrested? Like, is it in Camden where, yeah. first of all, there's a ton more police, a ton more drugs and crime? Like, yeah. And, and those neighborhoods are mostly minority people that are living there. So if you're looking at the statistics in New Jersey and you're saying black people are, are more likely to get locked up in New Jersey, it's like, well, yeah, because probably Camden is where like 90% of this shit's happening. And if you go to a more affluent neighborhood, there's probably still people that are getting arrested for marijuana and they're probably white. But it probably doesn't happen as much because they're not out smoking blunts on their front porch they're probably yeah. smoking a bowl with their friends in their house. And the only way the cops are getting called is if like there's mm -hmm. a noise complaint and the police come to the door and there's like the blatant odor of marijuana in there or something like that. Like where they're driving down to Camden to go buy, buy it and they're getting arrested yeah. because they're yeah. white and they're in Camden. Like what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, he, he, there's so many mitigating factors in it that aren't, mentioned it's just oh my god the police are out to get black people for buying marijuana you know it doesn't yeah and make any and sense. i think you're you're right what, what you're talking about is and what we're, we're we kind of segued into is what does it mean to be a critical thinker right if you're not a critical thinker what you do is you take the headline for what it is and you don't think anything else about it right you don't have any institutional knowledge to draw on you don't have any personal experience to draw on um, and you just kind of form some sort of emotional opinion and you go with it, right? And you just believe it as truth. A critical thinker sees something, and I think it was our first podcast where I said they place a little bit higher value on their emotions, where they say, wait a minute, this, this is hitting my emotions right now. I'm getting emotional about this. Hold up, let me make sure this is real before I let that happen or before I let it get out of control. Um, that's, that's, I think to me, that's kind of a, you know, a critical thing for a critical thinker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like you, like you mentioned intellectually lazy, it's easy to look at an article and mm -hmm. just say, well, that's it. This is what it says. It's the case. That's what this reporter says. They're reporters. So they have speak some, uh, from some position of authority. Yeah. So Whereas like me or you would look at it and be like, all right, well, this is one instance and this is a, a, something they're throwing at us. What's really behind this? Where are these yeah. things happening? How yes, are they happening? Absolutely. You know? And that, that's the thing. And then that's the next step of being a critical thinker. Now, now you've identified something that's obviously, uh, you know, 
touching you in some way. It's, it's uh, getting you aroused uh, emotionally. Uh, and then the next thing you do is you want to go confirm. So what you do is you look for other sources. You look for something to substantiate it. And, you know, you don't just take it for face value. And I think that, you know. But there's so much pushback to where yeah. it's like, well, if you if you you're just looking to, to debunk this because you're a racist or you're looking to debunk this because you lean right on a lot of things and you just want to prove this left leaning person wrong. And it's like, no, yeah. I just want the truth. That is one of the highest values that I personally hold in my life. I want to know the truth. I'm yeah. all about and truth and I'm about justice. And, yeah. you know, if I think that there's something that's very unjust that's going on, I'll be the first person to say, hey, this is messed up. But I'm not going to jump to that conclusion based on one story by one reporter who may be pushing an agenda. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and don't get me wrong. Critical thinkers can have an opinion and be politically aligned. The difference between someone who's a critical thinker and, ha- you know, politically aligned and someone who's just, you know, you know, hook, line and sinker for their party is the critical thinker can actually look at things in like they actually look at the data, like they actually weigh the, uh, you know, the social cost the data, is it real? Is this really happening? Is this a perception versus reality? And they might consider all the variables to a certain degree, but still come out with a political reason for like, like you could, you could be a conservative and say, you know, I looked at all the variables. I looked at the data. I I understand what's going on here. I still think the conservative uh, or liberal viewpoint is the better road to be on. It's almost like, it's almost like politics comes second. The information is first, the facts are first, then the politics comes second. So you look at the facts, you look at the what's going on with the actual situation, and you weigh those things based on your kind of uh, set of morals or whatever weights you want to give it. And then you go, I think the better solution is this route. And the I think the problem where, I, I think where we go wrong as a society is... You know, outside of that silent majority, the you know there still is a critical mass of people who are beholden to a specific political ideology, and I think what we what we have a problem with is when people come kind of emotionally uh, contracted to a a political party. That's a problem. You need to be fluid with your politics, right? You can maybe be more historically one way or the other, but keep your politicians on, on their toes, right? Don't don't just give them a blank check. Don't don't oh, you know, they're able to, you know, kind of give you a little word salad and make you think something's fine, right? And give you some sort of excuses for why they take a position. But it's like the problem is it's like when people are just like whatever, you're you're a democrat, I'm a democrat. I'm going to you know, defend whatever my Democrats do, you know, because I'm a Democrat. Well, I mean, look at, look at at me. I mean, uh, I really love Noam Chomsky. He is Mm. pretty severely to the left. And I think he makes a lot of good points and I can take some things that he says and say, you know what? He put a lot of thought into this. He backs it with data. I can agree with some things that he's saying. Uh, like, like the whole notion that, uh, I mean, like I'm a free market capitalist, right? I think capitalism, mm-hmm. uh, is a very democratic way of solving a lot of issues. So yeah. when he says like uh, a statement, like, uh, well, I think capitalism is great, except it's never really been tried before. I can agree with that because you know what? You're right. We're not really a free market capitalist no. country. Nope. We use our military might to interfere in the free market quite a bit. Yeah. So I can agree with that because I think there's truth behind that. But and there, yeah, and, and even on the, outside of the military, there's other things too, like uh, corporate welfare. I think there's a, actually uh, a legitimate argue, argument within that hyperbole of the corporate welfare thing. Like that's that you hear a lot, but I think there is a legitimate argument to say these ballots ballots should not be happening. I'm like really all over the place with my words tonight. By the way, I'm mean, I'm saying my A's really bad, but. Follow me here. <laughs> I, you're right. I agree. Keep, continue, though. No, no, no. I just, I just, you have to be open to other ideas. And like, I like Glenn, Glenn, uh, Glenn Greenwald. 
he's very left, but he's a constitutional lawyer. So when he says something about the constitution and violations that are happening, I might put a little more weight into what he's saying because it's what he knows. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't just write him off and go, Oh, it's Glenn Greenwald. He's wrote for the slate before he's wrote for salon.com. So I'm not going to listen to what he has to say. I yeah. think he has a yeah. valid You're opinion right. and he's not a hundred percent right about a hundred percent of the things that he says, but he's an intelligent person and he backs what he says up with data. But the same thing mm-hmm. can be said with Ann Coulter. People would think that yeah. she's a little bit nutty and the things that she says are really out of bounds. But factually, if you look at a lot of the things that she says, they're able to be backed up by facts, you know, although I don't necessarily agree with everything that she says either, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's critical thinking, man. You got to be able to be fluid with your politics, keep your politicians uh, on their toes. I mean, it's the bottom line. Otherwise, you know, they're just out to get reelected. That's politics, especially when you don't have term limits. It's all about them. You got to keep them on their toes. You got to keep, you got to be nimble with your politics and like, don't be, uh, you know, religiously stuck with a political party. Right. I mean, you can still have your, you know, your leanings. It's fine. Just don't give a free pass to the Democrat or the Republican because they're, because they're Democrat, because they're Republican. Yeah. I mean, uh, hold them accountable, man. You know, my leanings are Liberty, right? Like I want people to live in a free society And I feel like uh, a lot of things that people on the left do say limit people's liberty. And it's done based on some sort of class welfare to where they'll say, well, these people shouldn't have so much money. Well, why are you deciding who should have what? Like, aren't, shouldn't everybody be entitled to the fruits of their labor? Like we live in a society and I guess we have a duty to other people that don't have as much to take care of them. But why does the government have to manage that? Why can't, um, you know, freely choosing voluntary individuals decide to donate to things. And we have seen that an example of that with Donald Trump when, you know, he cut funding for uh, PBS and Meals on Wheels and stuff. How many donations were made after that happened? And that was yeah. free of yeah. government control. Yeah. So why should we have the government saying who we should put our money towards when there's completely voluntary free thinking individuals that choose to do those things on their own. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you choose less Liberty over more Liberty as what I, I, yeah, I don't get. Yeah. That's true, man. You're dead on. I think you're, you're, uh, yeah, we're all in agree. We're going to be in agreement with this all day long. You know what I'm saying? But let's keep moving. Cause we have a short podcast. I want to cover a couple things. Uh, something I forgot to bring up earlier uh, was the Trump reversed uh, pieces of Obama's Cuba policy. I think that is dumb. I don't think it's that interesting. I don't think it's that actually very surprising. I think, uh, you know, you know, my take on Cuba, like we've talked about it before uh, when we're, we were kind of comparing it to uh we're re-engaging Cuba, but we're kind of shunning Russia type of thing where Cuba, you know, being such a actually brutal dictatorship for, you know, you know, since I've ever, you know, since I've been on this earth, right. But we're, you know, when Obama was in office, he was kind of, Oh, let's you know, reset the situation. And I don't think it's too much of a surprise for Trump to come out and say, forget about it. He's got, he's got a ton of Cuban backing, Cuban American backing. And I think this, you know, this was something that was kind of expected. Well, yeah. And they're the only Spanish voters he's going to get pretty much it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. They are historically right leaning Catholic voters. So if you're going to go after the Spanish population, you want to in Florida again in 2020, you better win the hearts of Cubans, you know? Yeah. You got to keep really, them yeah. Now, do I think it's stupid a little bit? Yeah. I mean, why shouldn't we have open communication, trade, be able to vacation, buy shit from Cuba? I mean, it, they're not a threat to us. They're not a threat to our yeah. sovereignty. They're, you know, just so respect my, my them as a sovereign you- nation. You know, I don't get it. I My know. issue with Cuba was more of a consistent th- consistency thing. Like I, I can sympathize with the concept of, you know, being open with them and kind of, you know, go, you know, kind of rethinking our approach with them because it's been such a long time. I could really sympathize with that. But to me, it was a more of a 
consistency thing. If we're gonna if we're gonna open up Cuba, we have to open up to, to more to countries like Russia, and you know, the, the, you know, historically, you know, uh, countries that we've kind of like shut out and stuff like that. So, if we're gonna open up to Cuba, I think we do need to be more receptive to you know Russia and stuff. I mean, granted, they were all you know, they're allies anyway, right? So, um, well, yeah, the Cuba. With the Cuban Missile Crisis back in the day, that was a quite the interesting scenario too, right? So I'm fine with Trump kind of reversing it, only because maybe he's just trying to stay consistent and maybe appease some constituents in Florida. But I'm also fine with let, let's say, hey, let's 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 uh, relook, rethink and relook situations. Um, I also think we need to, uh, you know, look at our relationship with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, right? I mean. If we're going to shun Cuba, why why are we engaged with uh, Saudi Arabia? You know, so I, w- I wish uh, you could punch that up. Uh, I posted it on our page, but Senator Rand Paul had a pretty compelling argument. Yeah, I saw that, uh, we have to get uh, that against up. Uh, against you know giving weapons to those people, and um, you know I really don't I don't see them as an ally, uh, but I you know I'm hesitant to completely say that they're exactly in the same level as like ISIS or something like that, but they do tend to have a really shitty record of human rights abuses, women abuses, gay abuses. Absolutely. Uh, So helping them is not something that I would be for, um, you know, and uh, Rand Paul really kind of put the cherry on the Sunday there. It kind of highlights, you know, how, economics keeps people together or countries together one of the the, probably the sole reason why we have a relationship with saudi arabia is because uh our economic ties and you could say it's oil you could say whatever right but it's because of money right and and if cuba was some sort of booming i mean look at china i mean it's essentially a, a communist country but we still have relatively favorable relationships with them you know and but then you look at Cuba. I mean, it's it's such a small economy. If they were huge, I, it would be a different story, completely different story. So, I mean, uh, that that's why I, I like consistency. Um, Anthony just sent us a message. I wonder if he's going to try to pop in here. But uh, you know, I like consistency. I'd like to see. You know, I, I'm more I'm more partial to opening things up. Like I'd rather have favorable trade agreements with most countries in the world than kind of picking and choosing that this is where I really depart from Trump with the protectionism and stuff like that. Like I'd rather keep things open. I'd rather business be able to choose where where they can make their goods and and whatnot and, uh, and things like that. But, um, that's just me, man. That's just me. <laughs> no, no, I and I agree with you too. I mean, I I probably have a softer stance on a relationship with uh, Cuba and Russia than uh, even you do. Um, but you know, I understand the devious nature of Russia and yeah. how they, uh, you know, one of their goals is to destabilize our democratic process and destabilize us economically and fracture our relationships with our allies. And I get all that. But um, I think, uh, you know, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar sort of a thing. So I cut the yeah, little and slack, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, I was just going to bring it up. Like maybe we could do some carrots with, with, with uh, you know, a lot of these uh, form, former Cold War kind of foes, right? Like let's, uh, let's see if maybe we could just – I mean we won the Cold War with Russia, right? Let, let's see where we go with that. Uh, and, and you know what, there, there are some signs with Cuba that they're, you know, kind of reforming in a social sense in terms of their economy and stuff like that. So maybe we could somehow foster that, you know, maybe we could kind of harvest this a little bit and keep them going in a, in a good direction. I mean, the only way we could do that is if we're actually engaged with them. So let's, let's, maybe it's worth a try, but like, like I said, I think it's not a surprise that Trump did that today. I think I don't think it's a horrible move. I I kind of get why he's doing it. I kind of I kind of want to see some consistency with our foreign policy, but I do realize it's very complicated and maybe it's hard to be very consistent like that when you have a lot of money involved. You know, I just yeah. felt like it was kind of just dumb important. and spiteful and like a purely pr- political move and 
Like, yeah. we're, we're not safer because of it. We're not richer because of it. You know, yeah. like who, right. who cares kind of a thing. Like, all right, you know, you undid another Obama thing. You, you, you threw a bone to your people in Florida so that maybe you win that state yeah. in 2020. It's, you know, it's politics as usual. I'm not, I'm not too one way or the other about it, but Again, it's Cuba. It's like a fly fighting like an army of spiders. Like they're nothing. <laughs> yeah, they're nothing yeah. to us. Like why do we care if we? If yeah, we, it's almost you know, much to do about nothing. It's a. It's like yeah. You're you're right. I completely agree with that. You're absolutely right. But you know, we got to talk about something, right? We got to talk about stuff. Yeah. Well, so how about, about Cuba. Uh, um, how about Puerto Rico? <laughs> right. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Uh, did they? They had they a vote, right? In in the positive for becoming a state of the United oh, States. Interesting. But they I only wonder. had like a twenty percent voter turnout, which is well, odd, really only twenty percent. Yeah, it was like twenty or thirty percent, I think, voter turnout, and but it was a majority wanted to become a state of the United States, and then wow. they were interviewing people. And uh, pretty much the people that didn't vote were like, yeah, I didn't vote because, like, you know, they do this every once in a while. Eh, it's not worth my time. Like, it wouldn't really be better for us. <laughs> it's just something that they do every once in a while. So I said, fuck it. I just drank coconuts and, like, uh, hung out on the beach instead. <laughs> like, they, could, they really could give a shit less about it, it seems like. That's funny. That's pretty cool. Um, so anyway, uh, Anthony might jump in here. We'll see if he comes online. But uh, we're at 41 minutes, so let's. Uh, I, I'm just gonna kind of jump on some, uh, uh, you know, some of the headlines, um, and then give you a good minute to uh, maybe pay some tribute to your to your dog. Um, My so comrade, yeah. the fallen comrade, man, 15 years. So I'll give you a minute to talk about him, just just so you have uh, some time for him. Um, but you know, Amazon. Buying Whole Foods for thirteen million or thirteen or fourteen billion dollars, by the way, which is about six billion less than Facebook bought WhatsApp for. By the way, an app. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Amazon <laughs> just bought Whole Foods, which has tangible real estate assets and inventory for thirteen point four billion dollars. Facebook bought WhatsApp, a digital software application for phones, for nine. Billion dollars. Think about that. Anyway, uh, I think here's an interesting. Uh, you I know, never even heard of WhatsApp before, so that gives you a clue yeah. as to what the <laughs> fuck they're doing. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's funny because uh, it's it's like you have such a tangible thing in Whole Foods. And you have something that's just an, a software product on a phone. There were 20 people. If I, I'll have to double check myself, but I'm pretty sure WhatsApp employed 20 people when they were inquired by acquired, not inquired, acquired by Facebook for uh, for about 19 billion dollars. My question is people. now that now that a company people, as 19 large, billion dollars, right? As large of a company as as uh, uh, Amazon is. Purchasing Whole Foods, I wonder if they're going to be able to drive the prices down a little bit of their goods and maybe make it a little bit more affordable for your regular shopper that's looking for healthy stuff. I mean, I know they're not building stores in North Philly and stuff like that, but you know, I wonder if uh, that's going to have any effect on because everybody calls Whole Foods Whole Paycheck right now, right? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I wonder if if just the size of Amazon and how much goddamn money they make on everything. I think they want the. I think they want the brand. I think they want the real estate because what what that does is that does open up the footprint for uh, Amazon Fresh, so they could potentially, uh, you know, ship groceries from Whole. Their now acquired Whole Foods uh, stores wherever it might be in a more uh, distributed network from the stores and uh, like, you know, whatever delivery methods they use, like vans and stuff like that. So I think that, that that's what they're trying to do. I think you're right. I think it will drive, hopefully drive down costs. I think that's good. Uh, I don't think they're trying to make a play in a high end uh, grocery. I really don't. I think they're just trying to increase their, their stake in the grocery area. And I think that they just saw Whole Foods as a good brand to do that with. I mean, I think generally speaking, their brand is the high end brand of Whole Foods 
goes with what Amazon wants, but they that but Amazon isn't always about the high end prices. I mean, if you look at their their tablets and things like things like that, they want they want quality. They want the brand recognition and the customer service, and I think Whole Foods gives them that. I think uh, you know that Whole Foods is hold, held at a high regard um, because of the quality food that they they do provide to communities, and Amazon is held at a pretty high regard too because of the depth and breadth of their products that they offer, and also their customer service is pretty damn good, uh, relatively speaking. Um, you know, they understand that concept of, you know, our customers are important and I think Whole Foods does. And I think they do. I think it was a good natural fit. I think it's going to give them a good brick and mortar presence. I think it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic going on with them in Walmart because Walmart's going the other way. They're trying to be, have a more digital footprint and it's a, you know, it's going to be an interesting battle in the long term. But anyway, Let's let's move on from that. I want to give you a couple minutes. Uh, your your uh, your dog passed away today, Jake. Uh, 15, 15 years you've had him. You said you, you told me earlier you had Almost, him as a puppy uh, from uh, two thousand and three to two thousand and seventeen. So uh, about fourteen years, yeah. Fourteen years, yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, this is a good opportunity for you uh, to maybe say some words for him. Uh, you know that that's a long time to be with any sort of living animal, human or pet, right? Like that's a long time. It really is. And, uh, you know, uh, say, say something about your dog. I, I'm interested because I've never met your dog. So say something about him. Uh, first of all, Jake, he was almost like a person. Uh, he really was a fixture of my family, my life for so long. I, I went through a lot of really rough times and he was always there to comfort me and hang out with me. And you know how dogs are. They just never judge or anything that I used to freaking talk to him you know he'd just sit there and just listen even though if it was just cocking his head to the side a little bit <laughs> like uh we would walk miles and miles together i would take him on freaking hikes to where like sometimes i would have to carry him the last little bit home because yeah. we would just walk so much and uh we chase rabbits together i take him swimming in creeks we did so much together and then of course like anybody else you start having kids and you know, you can dedicate a little bit less time to him, but he was still always just every time I came in the door, so happy to see me. Uh, he really took a real shine to my kids. He was their foot rest, arm rest, you know, pillow, booger wiper, you know, <laughs> uh, food yeah. stealer. He Everything. He loved my kids. He was like a little nanny. Like I knew yeah. that like if I had to go and like be away from my kids for a minute, like if anybody, you know, came in my house or did anything that Jake would have probably tore their frigging head off. And uh, he wasn't yeah. like that. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't like a, an attack <laughs> yeah, dog, yeah. but he just had such an affinity for people uh, and such an affinity for my family and my kids and Allison and me that... And my little nieces and nephews grew up with him. And, you know, you could do anything. You sit on his back, pull his ears, poke him in the nose. And he never, ever, ever showed any aggression towards anybody. He had the patience of a saint. And he was a pit bull. And I can't say that enough. If you are a family person, you have kids in your house, you cannot go wrong by getting a pit bull. They are the consummate family dog. They are not people aggressive. They will never hurt anybody that they are familiar with that they love that they're around and uh i miss him so much i know it's going to be a rough few days i actually had to bury him on the side of my house after he was put to sleep at the vet and i was like uh you know <sighs> he's just really really tough you know yeah. it's uh hey man part of you the family what? uh you know tip tip half for him yeah, and if I could just throw one more quick little <laughs> anecdote in there. I, I got yeah. busted for DUI the second time I had to go to jail. And yeah. uh, I got put on work release because I was a good, fairly good person. And uh, <laughs> I uh, had to do like my first three weeks like in jail. So like I couldn't come home. And that was like the longest time I was ever away from him. And uh, the mm -hmm. first time, I mean, I wasn't supposed to, but I snuck home. Uh, when they let me go out to work because my work was right next to my apartment and uh, <laughs> I cried like a baby 
the first time really? I saw him. Not my mom. <laughs> like I saw my mom yeah, for the first time yeah. in three weeks, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> but I hey, saw mom. I saw my my dog, and like he just dove on the floor and rolled on his back, and like just his whole body was wagging and. I just hugged him and cried like a baby. And uh, yeah. it was one of the saddest three weeks of my life was being away from him because he was one of my absolute best friends, best companion I ever had in my life. And he's irreplaceable. And uh, yeah. I'm going to miss him forever. Well, it sounds like to me he had a really good life. And uh, he had an awesome owner. And uh, you know what, man? He'll forever be there. He's, he's going to be in your mind. You're going to think of the things, the little things that remind you of him. He'll be sad for a little while, but at some point it'll, it'll become like a smile on your face when you think about him, you know? So, you know, so that's how, I guess that's how we're going to end the podcast for a day. Uh, it's a sad note, but it's a good story. Uh, and Rich has a heart. That's what we get out of it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> Rich, animals, especially. <laughs> for animals. Yeah. I mean, they're vulnerable, right? Uh, some of the most vulnerable, uh, you know, living things in in our lives besides our children. Um, so they definitely need care. And it's, it's, it's good to hear a good story of a good owner and a good, and a good uh, pet, you know? So we'll wrap things up. Uh, let's just play some music. Love you, Jake. <laughs> Love you, Jake. Oh, you know what I just realized? We're at about 51 minutes. Oh, Melissa's going to be pissed. Melissa's going to be so mad. Melissa, don't get mad at us, please. Sorry, my dog had to die, Melissa. Could yeah, kept sorry, it on Rich's six. dog had to die. <laughs> I think she'll forgive us for those last few minutes because it was such a heartfelt, you know, monologue, right? So let's uh, let's go out on that. You know, well, thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at No Name Podcast, or you can find us on Facebook at The Podcast Without a Name. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes. Google Play, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, everywhere you can find podcasts, we should be there. Find us on social media, engage, talk, uh, give a shit, whatever you want to do. We're cool with it, whatever. It doesn't phase us. We'll take it. And you know uh, hug your dogs and cats and everything tight tonight because you never know. Hug Today could be the last, the last day. Even if you're allergic to them, because I just recently found out I'm allergic to dogs and cats and I have a dog. <laughs> but I overcome. Anyway, thank you for listening this evening. Please uh, like and subscribe wherever you he- listen to us and follow us on. Um, if you are interested in ever coming on the podcast, please drop us a message wherever you find us on Facebook or Twitter, and we will get you on. Uh, we want to get Melissa on, by the way. And we also have another, uh, I believe, one of your friends that we're going to get on. But. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Later.